Welcome to the Variety Hour, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mouth. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Welcome to Talk Money. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome to Talk Money. Here's what we have for you today. When it comes to all things financial, Americans seem to have plenty to worry about. Death levels are climbing, savings are lacking, and whereas retirement used to seem like a given, many of us worry, working class Americans doubt whether we'll ever manage to get there at all. Well, For today's program, Derek Bailey is here to share with us some of the biggest financial worries in America today and offer us some of those solutions that we need to be looking at of how to work through that and plan for, how to stop the worry side of your financial life. So stay with us because that's going to be very important when when he's here with us and uh, we'll dive into that in a heavy way. As we all worry about, you know, out loud, we worry about medical bills, we worry about kids' college education, parents of children with special needs have worries that extend beyond the few years it takes to get a college education. Their questions are, how will we pay for that special therapy our child needs, and how will we, how will we take care of our child when we're not here? Those are questions that just seem to really create all kind of problems in families that have a special needs child. Well, these questions might stop you in your tracks, but Nathan Powell is here to help us with creating a financial plan to meet the needs of special need families. For my Did You Know files, here's something very interesting. Speaking of worry and debt and college education, well, according to a recent publication by the Census Bureau, Three out of every eight homeowners, 38% in the United States of America, own their own home debt-free, free and clear. What does it say? No worries. That's a good thing. On the other hand, the Federal Reserve Bank has given us some statistics here that I think kind of shock us a little bit. That 44 million Americans owe, hold on to your seats, $1.41 trillion in student loan debt as of June the 30th of this year. That's a whopping 139% increase, up $820 billion in just the last 10 years. And, you know, that's a, boy, we got to talk about that. Maybe that's what we'll deal with today with Derek Bailey, Bailey when we come back with Real Financial Concerns. Today's program, if you want to listen to it again on podcast or other past programs, go to iTunes and search for Shoemaker Financial. Coming up, Derek Bailey, Real Financial Concerns of Americans, and Nathan Powell, Financial Planning for Special Needs Children. You don't want to miss it. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to The Voice, KWAM 990 and FM 107.9. This is Talk Money. Podcasts of Talk Money are available in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with more Talk Money after this. Jim Shoemaker, Derek Bailey, and Nathan Powell are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc., securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. 
Well, you know, in day, preparing for today's program, I, I kind of looked deep inside a couple of things, did a little research, and I got some guys here that have done some research, and they, they've got some great information for us today. And what I was looking for is what is our biggest concern? What do we really kind of get all upset? What keeps us up at night? Well, in doing a little research, it just basically says that the inability to pay medical costs and ability to retire and be comfortable run kind of a neck-to-neck thought process or worry kind of, you know, in the context of Americans today. Am I going to be able to pay those medical costs? Am I going to be able to retire? Well, I can understand why those are important concerns that we have and they're financial concerns and we have a tendency to worry about them. So I've got somebody in the studio today to help us not only identify what we're dealing with, what we do worry about, but also share some solutions and some guidelines of how to work through that. So grab a pen and a piece of paper. You'll want to take some notes. I've got some guys here that are very good, know what they're talking about. Derek Bailey, Nathan Powell. Derek, both of you guys, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Well, you know, let me start with you, Derek. I mean, when we talk about America's biggest worry today being the inability for medical cost or just something about retirement, but you know, I know when in your practice and we're dealing with people and you're teaching people in the office and things like that, what do you see that surfaces that just seems to be that constant nagging concern that Americans have today. Well, um, you know, as we were talking coming over here today, uh, I got personal experience with this one. Yes, you do. To, when it comes to healthcare, yes, uh, you do. You know, we're talking about I got I got triplets at home, and they had um, you know quite a few medical problems whenever they were born. So they're born at 32 weeks. Uh, we had a lot of medical bills that um, you know kind of got racked up, and that continued not only from the time of the birth all the way to the age of five. We had to go through. I think it was three or four surgeries. Um, so we ended up, you know, bills that kind of started to, to build up on us. And, you know, certainly you don't want to go into debt on that. Uh, we'll go talk about that here shortly. But it's, it's, it's a huge concern for people. So um, there's some different ways that you can attack that. And, and You know, and I think what you're saying, the different ways, and I want to get into that. But, you know, Derek, what you're really saying is people, we, we don't really have the ability to always know what's around the next corner. I mean, you Correct. didn't get up one morning and say, hey, I know we're going to, this is, it comes at us. And sometimes it comes at us like a fire hydrant. And uh, that's a concern when you talk about it. And mm-hmm. I, so let me help you this. I mean, help me with this. I mean, walk me through what you've seen. That's a personal experience. And boy, can I identify with that. I wasn't too, ex- on, you know, when I was diagnosed with cancer years mm-hmm. ago, I mean, right. that was not, I didn't get up one morning and say, okay, I'm ready for this today. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so how do we talk with people? How do we help people understand there are real concerns? How can we move those to being something we can deal with? Talk about the real concerns that you see and, and, and that you see with people when you're talking. Well, life happens. Yeah, Just life like you said, happen. life yeah. it is. It comes and it slaps you in the face. And one of the big things that we try to uh, talk to our clients about is having an emergency fund, uh, to have some money set aside for those things that are going to come up in life. I mean, we often, most people are thinking about my car breaking down. But when it comes to health costs, those costs can be a lot greater than those other things. And so we want to have money set aside for that, uh, in addition to having health insurance and talking to them about that and some of the different kind of plans that they would have with their employer. So they got health insurance and medical, you know, and emergency funds. But right. I guess let's, what if I, help me with this, what would you guide us to say, Here's some concerns. Identify the concerns. Identify what you see as people talking about. I know you mentioned earlier credit card debt. Mm-hmm. Talk about that for me. Sure. Um, credit card debt, 
you know, we were looking at some statistics earlier, and there's a CNN um, money article that was from 2017. The average debt's a little over $8,300. And the average person, now this is person, not necessarily household, has 2.6 credit cards. So if you, you know, multiply that by two, it could certainly be up there, you know, 16000 Again, that's an average number. Um, but I think from a credit card perspective, a lot of people will get a credit card with good intentions. They're thinking about building your credit, right? Um, thinking about, well, let me get to that rewards program. I want to use this card so I can get rewards, use it for, you know, hotel rooms, flights, whatever it may be, cash. But again, when we just had this discussion, what happens? Life happens. And so you could get in a situation where you have been paying off your card. And then all of a sudden, you maybe get unemployed, and now you're going to have to rely on that card for other things. We don't have an emergency savings fund. That debt starts to skyrocket. A lot of these cards are you're looking at, you know, 15 to 20 percent APR. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, you're paying from a rate perspective. So um, it starts out with good intentions. Uh, it can snowball on people. And, you know, what we try to convince them is just behaviorally attack the debt that you have. So it may seem counterintuitive. But it's not always the bigger debts that you want to pay off first. Maybe it's the little ones so that you feel like you've got a little momentum. You're rolling downhill. You get those paid off. You can use those dollars that, uh, that you now have and roll it into the next bigger you debt. You said the word behavioral, and I, I think that is, that is a critical word. Do, is, that, is that saying that we sometimes don't even realize we're doing it? I mean, it's like um, – I'm at the table and they they pass the, the the cookies around or something and I eat one and then I don't even realize that I've eaten the second. Well, you know what I'm saying? Or, yes. You know what I mean? You just do it and it just sneaks up on you. It, it, it does. And if you think about a credit card, you're not pulling cash out of your pocket. You're not pulling cash out of your wallet. So it almost seems like free money at times oh, for that, some you people. You got a great point. Just last night, mm-hmm. I was at a big box store. And uh, they have a new system at this big box store, and I'll not even name it. People know who I'm talking about eventually. I walked through. I had a few things that my wife had said, pick up and get this. And I got, had a little box, and I'd run it through there, and I said, put this in a box for me. And I, and I reached in and got it, and she said, just tap it. I said, do what? <laughs> just tap it. And I and I went. What do you mean? She said, "Just tap the top of the deal with your card, and that's it. That's it. I don't have to stick it in anything. <laughs> I don't have to roll. I mean, I didn't have to scan it. Just tap the top. Wow. And I tapped it, and sure enough, it sucked money <laughs> right out. I could see it going. You know, Easy <laughs> just. Right? Yep. But I told her, I said, you know, what just happened is that was painless. Mm-hmm. I didn't do anything. I mean, it was. And you're right. It just. It just happens. And, uh, you know, I do have a notification that tells me exactly what it came up and what it was. And I think that's a concern that it's behavioral. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge issue when it comes to credit card debt. If you just tuned in, my guest, Derek Bailey and Nathan Powell, we're talking about concerns that American have and what to do about it. Well, obviously, Derek's we kind of tackled first and foremost credit card debt. If you'd like to have Derek or either one of these guys speak at, you know, at your church or anything or at your school, but... Derek does a lot of talking about education, how to save for education, how to save on education. He's spoken to many of the high schools here in the city. So just don't hesitate to call the office and ask for Derek Bailey. And let me introduce Nathan Powell again. Nathan also uh, is with the Financial Planning Group, and he is uh, he is an educator, part of the Educational Network. He currently is speaking at the North, is it Northeast? Uh, Northwest. Northwest. Uh, Community and College. You teach right. down there now and you teach some financial planning and from a mindset. So, Nathan, welcome to the program Thank again, you. sir. Great to be here. 
And when you're talking with people, what do you see as, I mean, we've talked a little bit about health insurance, and that's a huge issue. Derek used a personal testimony there, credit card debt. Saving for college, is that the second or third one, or how is that? It's interesting. You know, people have, especially today, are you know, really prioritizing you know, saving for college or at least looking and trying to figure out how they do it. They look and see the rising costs of college over the last you know, 15, 20 years and how that a lot of times has even outpaced our regular inflation. So just trying to stay afloat and, you know, provide, you know, that step up for their children, you know, because a lot of people, I think, you know, there's over a trillion dollars of student loan debt out there today. And so if someone is experiencing that personally, you always want something better for your children. And so trying to alleviate, you know, that weight around their neck, I, I think is a pretty high priority for families. So when we talk about that, speaking of a high priority for families, since Derek mentioned that he had triplets, you know. <laughs> God that, bless you, sir. That, yes. that means, you know, that now I happen to know that they're in college. Yes. And and so let me ask you this, Derek. When we read earlier that $1.41 million, excuse me, trillion dollars in student loans, it's up 139%. And even Nathan mentioned it a few minutes ago. The reality is... That's a number, and I know when you look at three kids in college, that's a cost. It's a huge cost, uh, and I don't think a lot of parents— Can we repeat that? Can we run that tape back? <laughs> huge cost. <laughs> that's an understatement. It's huge. <laughs> Times three. Times, Times three. three. And a lot of parents don't realize that there are ancillary costs as well. I mean, you sit in there and you think about, well, tuition room books— I get phone calls all the time during the school year. Hey, Dad, uh, I need uh, you know two hundred bucks or whatever it is, whatever it may be. For whatever reason, I mean, it could be for this, this, right. this, and this. And mm-hmm. you just don't. I mean, it's not educationally oriented. A lot of times, Correct. it's that part of college mm-hmm. that's cost. I, I need gas money. Gas money. Uh, you know, uh, social money. Social money. <laughs> that's, that's, that seemed to be always a problem. I'll yes. take some social yes. money if right. you got here. <laughs> Pass right. that out. So it's a lot more cost than you know people realize. Um, so, but again, if you give yourself a you know a long runway early and you save some money, perhaps in a, in a certain type of account, that can help you out a lot. You know, from a college perspective, um, so you'll have that money that you can grab out of those kind of accounts. So you've got to be disciplined, mm-hmm. and it goes back to some behavioral changes that we talked about earlier, not only from a credit card debt. Why are people, Nathan, you teach this in school with the Northwest, and sure. Derek, you deal with mm-hmm. this. Why do people know this is going to happen? They're looking at it. I mean, you had triplets 20 years ago. At some point, you and your wife looked at each other and said, I bet they're going to go to college. You know, when we uh, started planning, I think I told you this. We were here a couple months ago. Um, We started planning when we saw the ultrasound. (laughs) So, yep, absolutely. (laughs) So that's when it hit us um, that, hey, these kids are going to want to go to school. We want to give them an opportunity in life and better opportunity than what we had. So we started saving early. You know, and, and I know people forget this. That's a discipline. You had mm-hmm. to sacrifice things. Maybe it was the 60-inch color TV. I talk about that all the right. time. Maybe it was the extra two days at vacation or something. But in order to be prepared, you had to make sacrifices. Nathan, do you share with that and teach people when you're talking to people? Oh, absolutely. And, and, I, and I think that that's really important to, to point out is, is sometimes I even see – you know, college planning kind of outweighing other things that I believe should take priority. You know, when we look at your retirement, you have a very fixed amount of time to prepare for retirement, and then it's here. When we look at, you know, college 
planning a lot of times rather than saying, I want to be able to fund a hundred percent of every single cost. You have to search deep into your own budget and go through a discovery process with a planner to figure out how you can be meeting all the goals and not overweighing, you know, something just because you're worried about a debt when, you know, your children will have, you know, 30, 40, 50 years to pay for, you know, a loan. Now we're trying to avoid, you know, loans and burdening, you know, students with debt, but, you know, I'm sure that Derek has even seen this. I mean, there are a lot of programs you can take advantage of, especially if you're in Tennessee, going to a community college for a couple of years, you know, there, there are ways to balance out those costs. So having a strategy is critical in preparing for anything, whether it's retirement, college, or, you know, you name it. Derek, when you talk with people and in some of the high schools you've spoken to, these are these are great schools that they're they're dedicated to teaching people about how to save for college. But you actually not only save for college, you talk about some ways of saving on college. Absolutely. Talk a little bit about that. Well, you know, if you look at universities, you can shop among universities. Um, certain schools will give you more money from a financial aid perspective uh, than others. A lot of schools have more merit scholarships available than others. And if you can shop among them, you can save yourself a lot of money. But, you know, what we run into a lot is there's an emotional tie to specific schools. So it's not, I'm not looking at college from a a financial perspective, which gets back to Nathan's point. It's more of, you know, this is the alma mater of my, of my mother or my father and my my grandfather or whatever. Right. right? And that's where we're going to go. And, and, and not looking at it from the perspective of, Hey, how does this affect my retirement? Am I going to have to retire later, or what, what might it be? What do you What do you say to people that when they say, "Well, that, back to that, they're going to go. This is where Dad went or Mom went." What about that child that sometimes, or that parent that sometimes you just happen to help them? Maybe were they planning, and maybe they need to start with a trade school. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you? How do you guide that? That conversation. Um, well, a lot of it again is based on their experience, but we do mention, and Nathan was talking about the Tennessee Promise Program. For example, that doesn't necessarily mean that you can't go to a four-year school and get a, you know, a four-year degree. Uh, it just means that we're going to take advantage of the dollars that are available, so use that for the first two years um, because it's free money, and then we'll take whatever dollars we have for the next two years to pay for the rest of college. Sure, and if you think about this, you know, you know a, a college algebra class, how different can those really be you know, across a university setting? You're teaching practically the, the, the same information and skills. Right. Now, you might have a better educator at a school that might devote more time, but when we're before we get into kind of your specified area of interest, it's a good idea to look at taking those prerequisites at a you know, lower I, cost. I think mm-hmm. you're so wise there. I know I have counseled people over the years, and this has been something that has been a consistent kind of a burr in the saddle mentally for me is you've got so much money. A lot of times when you talk about taking away from the concern number four, which is retirement, right. parents sacrifice that number to pay for a college education, and the child, nothing there, but they go and they don't really grasp what they're, they're just not mature enough yet. Children are just, sometimes it's tough at age 18 to step into the classroom. Some do it extremely well and no problems. Some struggle. And now you've got an education that's costing you instead of four years or five years, you're now into that. And it's, it's not so much the fault of the child or the parent. It's just that sometimes we're not prepared. So if they step into a classroom, maybe not taking 18 hours or 15 hours, 
They take a few. They may be doing some work at the same time. It gives them a chance to mature or adjust without all of a sudden being a freshman and with, with 200 class members in, a, in one class trying their best, and they're just not quite there. Do you all sense that sometimes in your counseling? Yeah, I, I, I think so. You know, one of the, this is kind of an extreme example, but, you know, I mean, if your child is wanting to major in underwater basket weaving, you know, I mean, is that really, you know, the best use of your money and sacrificing your retirement to help them with a degree that may or not be, you know, profitable in the long run, they may be back with you for a long, long time. time. <laughs> That's know. a great point. That's a great point. Well, Derek, finally, the concerns we're talking about, concerns that financial financial concerns that Americans have. You talked about credit card debt, medical costs, health insurance costs, including long-term care. You kind of touched on that a little mm-hmm. bit. And then saving for college education to prevent the, the credit debt that could, creates all this problem. So, but, as you said, you started when you saw the sonogram. Mm-hmm. So that's that's planning with that mentality. But the last concern is so many people, this whole idea of, of retirement is, is, a, is a concern for a lot of parents because they see themselves spending so much money. Talk about that. Well, things have changed a lot if you think about it in the last 50 years you know, from a retirement perspective. And you know, you look back and talk to my parents, everybody had a pension plan. You know, and so the, the responsibility was more on the employer um, but now all that has shifted to the employee, uh, to the individual, where you can see a lot more defined contribution plans. Uh, so you really have to do a lot of personal planning in order to you know, save that money for, for down the road. So that's a big concern, uh, not only for you know, my family, friends, but you look at uh, you know, clients, uh, proposed clients. Uh, mm-hmm. They all have that big concern. And you, there's a lot of different competing demands. For the money, Mayfa mentioned this just a second ago. You're trying to play for college, and for every dollar you put there, guess what? You're not putting it towards your retirement. All right. When we come back, I want to I want to talk about these competing demands because this is an eye opener that everybody listening needs to be aware and fully cognizant of the fact that these competing demands are real. And you have to deal with them. So if you just tuned in, my guest today, Nathan Powell and Derek Bailey, we're talking about right now chief financial concerns that Americans have. Coming up in the second half of the program, we're going to dive into the whole idea behind dealing with special needs children. What are some of the things that you need to be aware of? Maybe you know somebody that has a special needs child, or maybe you are one of those blessed parents that have a special needs child. You don't want to miss that part of the program. But when we come back, it's all about about competing demands in households in America today. Stay with us. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and you're listening to Talk Money. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon as research or investment advice regarding any funds or stocks in particular, nor should it be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell a security. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Welcome back. If you know, we're talking about chief financial concerns of Americans and coming up, we're going to be talking about really the whole idea behind problems that some families have with special needs children. And uh, that's you don't want to miss that part of a program coming up with Nathan Powell. But currently right now, financial concerns of Americans and we've talked about credit card debt or student loan debt. We have one point four one trillion dollars up one hundred and 
39% since, uh, you know, just 10 years, and that's an enormous number. And you just have to think, how, how do you deal with that? Well, we got to put some things in perspective. you got credit card debt or student loan debt. You're worried about medical bills, and maybe it's long-term care. Maybe you're concerned about that. And then all of a sudden you find like Derek did, he's going to have three kids at one time, you know, and that's called, a, you know, a, a nest egg bunch of them, you know what I'm saying? So the reality is you got college kids, I mean, all of a sudden if you if you birth them at the same time, you're going to send them to college at the same time. You can't stagger that. So you got to do some planning. He says, bottom line, sonogram, started planning. I think that's important. Now you get into this idea, okay, I want to make sure that I am going to hit the runway and I'm coasting into retirement and I've done all the planning I have need to do. I can see the runway. I can see the lights. I put my belt on and let's land the plane and enjoy retirement. And you wake up and there are some competing demands that you go, why is this happening? What's going on? And all of a sudden you have to pull back on the plane and take off again. I'm talking like a pilot. See? (laughs) Derek's a pilot, by the way. So, okay, Derek. Now, here's the deal. Competing demands. What's going on? You know, um, I've, I've heard it referred to as the sandwich generation. That's good. So you will have, um, you know, some adults and their parents are living longer. And oftentimes as you're living longer, uh, you run out of money in their retirement. So you may have to take care of them or have long-term care needs. And they didn't have long-term care insurance. So they have to, you know, help out their parents from that perspective. At the same time, they're trying to save money for their own retirement, realizing that they're probably going to live longer. Again, getting back to our point earlier, there's no longer a lot of defined benefit plans. It's now on the individual and defined contribution plans. And then you still got the kids. We're talking about trying to save money for college. And you got a fixed piece of pie. Unless you can grow that pie. Um, every dollar that you're spending towards those things makes it very difficult to take care of yourself. You know, and that, uh, you know, it's easy to get, I mean, like you said, there's only so many dollars to go around. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to get uh, depressed. It's e- I mean, I, it's easy almost to give up. Nathan, when you're talking at, at Northwest, and again, Nathan is a teaches at Northwest on financial planning, does a, a study there. Nathan, what is that? That usually lasts about two weeks, two days? I mean, That's right, over two weeks, usually you know, six hours. Okay. You know, we're diving into retirement planning retirement. and everything else. Okay. But but here's the thought. I mean, what do you see with people? I mean, the, he talked about this sandwich generation. This and it's almost a, like I give up. I just can't beat right. it, and I just go from paycheck to paycheck. It all comes back to financial planning, a hundred percent of the time. If you can sit down with someone and develop a strategy that they can implement, let's take the four hundred one k for example. Right? I hear a lot of people say, "Hey, I'm maxing out my four hundred one k," when in reality they're putting in the maximum amount to get the maximum company match. You know, I mean, if you're under 50, you can put $18,500 into a 401k. And if you're over 50, an extra six grand. So unless you're at that level, it's not really maxing out. So you've got room to grow in different places. So let's, let's say that you get a 2% raise next year. You know, a great strategy to implement is to say, okay, I'm going to split that in half extra 1%. I'm going to save whether that's, in your mattress, in your 401k, and your whatever it is, you know, save that 1%. The other 1% spend on lifestyle or spend on, you know, saving for college or whatever. But if we can, you know, break things down for people and give them practical ideas of how to make, you know, systematic changes, 
slowly over time, then it makes a dramatic impact in the future. So well, you know, I like what you said. The, the simple, it's powerful, it's simple, right. yet it, it's, it's making changes. Dr- Derek, you mentioned behavioral. And I mean, when we talked about credit card debt, it's something you don't even realize it's happening. Is that the same thing with a plan? I mean, Nathan's saying start slow, begin to step it, you know, move it through that. That's a behavioral change. If they do it, it becomes automatic. He says, and I like it, start your 401k, get it mm-hmm. up as high as you. It's kind of a no-brainer. Right. You remember Christmas Club accounts? <laughs> that was because you, you put the money aside right. and it was there mm-hmm. for Christmas. And I've, last time I checked, Christmas still comes the same time every year. Right. And what do we do? We put it on credit cards. <laughs> Correct. But getting back to his point about planning and, and, and taking small steps to get where you want. I think a lot of times we will do comprehensive planning, put everything together. But when you get to the recommendations of the plan, it can be overwhelming for people. They That's see true. all of this and I got to, you know, I got to, I got to change my whole lifestyle. No, we don't have to change your whole lifestyle. We can take these things one at a time and build on them and grow some momentum going forward. I think that's wise counsel. You know, if you, if you think about it, so many people, when we say financial planning, it is fee-based financial planning, but the reality, everybody puts this mindset up here. Oh my goodness, uh, that's too big. I can't do that. And yet mm-hmm. what you're both saying is it's a, taking it one step at a time, not trying to make it overwhelming, mm-hmm. but make it a strategy that you can implement and put together. And that's the consideration of what we're trying to talk about. And I think that's important. And I, people, if you'd like to talk to these guys, just give them a call at 757-5757. It's just baby steps. It's taking those minds, that mindset of something that you can put together and move through it in a slow fashion and yet not overwhelm yourself and go from that standpoint. I know one of the last worries that a lot of people talked about was the whole idea of identity theft, Derek. And just quickly, we only have just about a minute and a half, mm-hmm. but what, what is that about? What's identity theft? Well, it's surged to the forefront in the last 10 years or so. You know, in the old days, you I say the old days, I keep going back to that. I'm old. Um, so we didn't have a whole lot of that. But it's not just having your identity stolen or somebody using your debit card or your credit card. That's typically what most people sure. think. There's a lot more to it than that. You, know, I mean, you can look at medical fraud uh, where people steal your identity. They'll go into the hospital, have a procedure, and it's your bill. Um, another one would be somebody commits a crime in your name. Next thing you know, uh, you can have the police knocking on your door. Uh, that's a big concern for folks. And then... Uh, employer theft or employee theft, where somebody will more or less get a job in your name, and then you're responsible for taxes, yeah, income for what taxes. Doing, yeah. So it, it it really is. It's a it's a huge concern for um, you know our clients. We're hearing that more and more. You've been hearing about it on the radio, the TV. Um, just we emphasize, you know, check credit reports. Uh, and there's a lot of services out there that can help you for ID theft protection, too. I think that's important. You said check credit reports. Bottom line is make that a part of a, you know, a, the day after Thanksgiving, I will check my credit reports. Or the January the 2nd of every year, I check. Or mm-hmm. I do it the first day of first Monday of every quarter. You know, just make it a habit. And check for minor children if you have them, too. Right. Because people can get their information and until they're 18 and trying to get a job. You may not know that somebody's had their identity for 10 years. Oh, yeah, and that's the scary part. Yeah. All, you know, it's not that it little $1,000 bill that they that's did, right. somebody else gaming and playing the game. Right. You know, it's that real problem of 
that real identity, that whole everything is gone right. in that for that child. If you've been listening to us, we got Nathan Powell and Derek Bailey. We've been talking about financial concerns that Americans have. We've covered it. If you want to listen to it again, just simply go to the iTunes store and search for Shoemaker Financial and listen to this particular program. Coming up, it's important that you may know somebody because we're going to talk about a financial need, special needs for financial need people. And that's going to be our subject. And you know somebody or you happen to be a blessed parent with a financial needs child. Stay with us. Coming up, Nathan Powell and Derek Bailey. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money. If you have questions you'd like to have answered on the program, email them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. There are many great moments in the career of Senator Kenneth McKellar. He was the first senator from Tennessee to complete more than three terms, having served from 1917 to 1953, and held the position of President Pro Tem of the Senate under the current system in Congress during the Truman administration. With two economic landmarks named in his honor, Lake McKellar next to the Memphis Industrial District on President's Island and McKellar Airport in Jackson, Tennessee, it comes as no surprise that the senator was an early supporter of the creation of the Tennessee Valley Authority during the New Deal era. Despite the initial support, McKellar's relationship with the TVA grew strained over time as Tennessee landowners felt they were not properly reimbursed for property acquired by the TVA. McKellar, who served as chairman of the powerful Appropriations Committee, intervened on the landowner's behalf. He knew that the uranium enrichment program for the Manhattan Project, which created the atomic bomb, was heavily dependent on the electricity produced by the TVA and threatened to defund the program until the TVA fully reimbursed the landowners. After President Roosevelt's death, his successor, Harry Truman, did not appoint a vice president which placed McKellar next in line to become president until the law was changed in 1947. After running for a seventh Senate term, McKellar lost to Albert Gore Sr. in 1952. A longtime ally of E.H. Crump, McKellar's defeat in the senatorial race, coupled with the victory of an anti-Crump progressive candidate in the gubernatorial election, marked the end of an era in Tennessee public life. This has been another Mid-South History Moment, brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. This program was previously recorded. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate, and when redeemed, may be worth more or less than when originally invested. And now, back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Chances are you or someone you know has special needs. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, nearly one-fifth of all Americans have some kind of disability. That's a broad term, but it includes genetic disorders such as Down syndrome, physical limitations like complete or partial paralysis, or neurological conditions such as autism. 25% of those affected are school-aged children who will likely deal with their disability for the rest of their life. My guest today, Nathan Powell, we're talking about, of course, financial strategies that special needs family has. Derek Bailey, we're doing kind of going through this process together. Let me ask you, Nathan, let's start with this because we're talking about, you know, this idea of special needs. What are some of the basic factors that you need to be aware of when creating something, a personalized plan or strategy for people with special needs? It's a great question. And I think that one of the uh, first things to take into consideration is 
longevity and that's not just for your loved one with special needs that you know they will probably live a relatively long time but also longer life than they did 20 30 years oh ago, yeah 40 absolutely years ago. okay but even you know the caregivers the adults who are in their lives living longer and thinking you know really long-term strategies of how do i make sure that my loved one with special needs is taken care of when i might be struggling to take care of myself that would be one of the first basic factors. Another is something that a lot of times people don't talk much about. People focus on the dollars and the cents, which is extremely important, of course. But also there's a life planning side of special needs planning where you know your child or your loved one with special needs and they have their own desires. They know what you know would fulfill them in life. So making sure that we're not just isolating things down into a black and white world, but also understanding the complexity of colors that exist with who do they want, you know, to be in their, you know, circle of friends. Who are their friends? How are they going to, you know, interact with society? How are they, you know, going to support themselves if they can? What kind of employment are we looking at? And there's a lot of resources and things that, you know, going through a planning process can uncover for a family. You know, that's a, you just entered into a conversation that is not a simple conversation. No, sir. And that is a conversation that I, I think sometimes is is facilitated by the outside person helping, or and I'm not saying a mediator, that's not at all what I mean, sure. but someone who's helping and guiding through that. I know your practice, you do a lot of counseling with special needs people and special needs families. Correct. And again, the reality is it is something that you can't just toss it in the air and say it's going to happen. It right. does take a strategy, a plan. And so I guess it, when you're working with this, who should be involved in this idea of developing a plan? Right. So, you know, obviously, you know, the the first people who are going to be involved are the immediate family members, whether that's mom and dad, sister and brother, or maybe an aunt or an uncle, grandparent who is involved, maybe helping, taking them to, you know, therapy sessions or, you know, so you know who your immediate support group is. I would say also you need to have, you know, an attorney for estate planning documents, a CPA, just to help guide you and help navigate the tax world, a financial planner, and then, you know, maybe a, a case manager, someone who you are connected with that can also you know, help tie this web together. So all of these people should be working together, at least knowing who the other people are involved so that if the CPA has a concern, they can speak to X. And if X has a concern, they can clarify with the family members or you know, vice versa. So there's a lot of um, kind of quarterbacking that I'm in charge of when I'm helping you know, that families. you're doing the quarterbacking and coordinating right. everything. Derek, do you see that to be a consistent problem? Because, I mean, w- w- as soon as Nathan adds in, you know, you put the family in the room, that sometimes can be easy. There's sometimes denial. I mean, I've watched it before where sure. the denial creeps cr- mm-hmm. in there, and it's really, it almost begins to sever a relationship that was solid prior to the special needs child. So there's got to be that. But the family seems at least in my experience, to work through it. They may struggle, and yes, I get it. But when you start bringing in the outside people, the attorney, the CPA, the social worker, all those things, boy, that seems to be a dynamic that even though there's great intentions, people have a tendency to say, Oh, we could do this ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think you, the key word you said earlier was counselor. Mm. Being a counselor and be able to guide people. And, you, and you're right. There is a lot of, and I, I've talked about this just a little while ago, um, you know, being overwhelmed, I can do this myself. Yeah. And being the quarterback or being the glue of the team, 
uh, to keep everybody marching in the right direction. Uh, I think it's critical, and, and, and Nathan has some great experience in that and has done a fantastic job yeah, with his some, clients. And some of the things that, you know, I see firsthand is, you know, I mean, you know, families who experience special needs, you know, immediately in their family members, it it is overwhelming, like, like Derek said. And, you know, a lot of times the myopic focus of just zoning in on that one specific need and trying to juggle calendar schedules, therapies, you know, after school care, all these things that all the plates that these families have to spend, if they can have someone in their corner behind the scenes and actively working with them to help facilitate easier transitions and things that, you know, we can forecast well out into the future, that can alleviate a lot of worry and anxiety, which is a lot of, you know, what my job is. I know you work with a checklist where you're going through this and it's not just tossed up in the air and maybe it happens, maybe it doesn't happen. You're actually going through a process where you're covering all these basic needs, financial needs, the trust, uh, all those things. And it just doesn't happen. There has to be a strategy. When you're talking with it, uh, let me, uh, I guess, well, let me take a break first. I'm going to do this. I'm going to come back because I really want to gather information. When you talk about, you mentioned the team being an attorney. Sure. And I know some people, as soon as we say that, not to knock an attorney, but they all feel like, oh, my goodness, I can't afford that or something. But you've worked with some guys that have done some phenomenal work and helped them. But we need to talk Absolutely. about what's the role of the attorney. We yep. kind of understood your role being the quarterback to kind of coordinate this. Let's talk about the attorney when we come back. If Great. you just tuned in, I'm talking with Nathan Powell, Derek Bailey. We're talking about needs, special needs families. And we found out basically that the reality is, you know, someone or you may be in your own family, the person that has to be dealing with a child that you've been given and you've been blessed with, but it is something you have to deal with. It is something you have to plan for. And one fifth of those children that we're talking about end up with a disability. Almost uh, that means they last a lifetime. And that's important that you need to plan for a lifetime. Stay with us when we come back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money. Podcasts for Talk Money are available for iOS mobile devices in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Financial advisors do not provide specific tax or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax or legal situation. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Nathan, we were we were talking earlier about some of the the team that you put together, and you're the quarterback. You kind of put this together. You go through this template that you're working from. You're trying to move things and helping people just deal with it, whether they've just discovered this or maybe they've now entered their sixth or seventh year as a caregiver, and they're talking about a special needs child, and we're trying to work through what what when you when you talk about that, you mentioned that part of the team would include an attorney. Mm-hmm. What type of role does does that, does the attorney play, and how do you put that together? When sure. Yeah, so, I mean, this is absolutely critical for not just families with special needs, but for everyone. But if we're dialing down into, you know, the topic of the show, you know, the attorney is the one who is going to be preparing the estate planning documents. And a lot of times people think estate planning, oh, that's for, you know, these large estates of worth millions and millions of dollars. Mega wealthy. No, 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 no. This is what's going to happen to your stuff and to your loved ones when, you know, you die. 
So the role of the attorney is to help you, you know, set up you know, a revocable living trust if that's appropriate or just your basic will that dictates where your stuff is going to go. Second, and this one is, you know, hypercritical, I would say, is looking at power of attorney and guardianship documents. If you have a loved one with special needs, who do you have lined up? If something happens to you, who is going to be the caregiver for that you know, wonderful child? Is it going to be brother? Is it going to be aunt? Is it going to be best friend? Well, if you don't have estate planning documents, especially these guardianship documents in place and you die, then that child can become a ward of the court and your decision-making power goes out the window. And now it is up to a judge to decide who is going to be best fit to care for your loved one. And that's, I have, that actually, be scary. I have actually been in the court. And of course, with a couple of attorneys, friends of mine that we've had to sit and listen to family members argue over who should be taking the child because right. that particular mom and dad didn't put that together and uh, then we've managed the assets for that child. And mm-hmm. here's what happens when you go to Christmas and it's time to buy the bicycle or the whatever for the child. The judge says, you know, you have to submit, you know, get, you have to get Jim's you know, permission. Almost. Right. Uh, not my permission. I have to I get, get the permission basically of the judge before I can give money to this guardian because there are wards of the court. That's critical for people to understand. There's just, it, it, and it's not, it's not that it's expensive. They need to understand it's, right. it's something that is needed, and it doesn't have to be expensive. Not every lawyer is going to charge you nine hundred dollars an hour. That's right. They are lawyers that work with special needs, and they are people that understand it, and they do a great job. And that is one of the important aspects of you know the job of an, of a financial planner is to understand the needs of families, and you know. Planners always have great relationships with, you know, a variety of members of other professions. So knowing that, you know, who is the proper person to connect you to based on your situation and based on budget, perhaps. I mean, that's another huge value that we can add. And I I do want to go back for a second about the uh, power of attorney document, because this is, again, something that's critical. When a child, you know, attains the age of majority, it could be 18, 21, whatever it is then the parent can lose the legal decision-making authority, right? Regardless of the circumstances. So without a power of attorney document in place that says you can act on the behalf of, you know, your you know, loved one with special needs, then you could come in up to some pretty heavy walls with HIPAA laws, with, um, you know, talking, you know, to governmental agencies about, you know, entitlement benefits, whatever it is. So making sure that you have those in place, you know, be prior to your child, age, you know, attaining the age of majority is very, very important. And that's something, again, that we just were trying to tell people, don't put this off. Don't right. procrastinate. And again, if you just tuned in, Nathan Powell, certified financial planner, Derek Bailey, they're both talking about some very critical things that we need to understand when it comes to dealing with special needs children, special needs family. What is it that you do? Nathan, What's the pitfalls? What are some of the pitfalls? I'll give you you three of them. The first one hits back to what we just talked about, estate planning. And that, you know, people, even people outside of, you know, the world of special needs, I'll sit down with people and they don't have any estate planning documents in place because, oh, nothing's going to happen to me. And that's usually when things, you know, go wrong. So having a good attorney that can draft those. 
making sure, number two, making sure that included in those are guardianship documents or conservatorship to make sure that there is a succession plan in place for your loved one. And third, I would say, you know, if you have money that will be going to a loved one with special needs, you know, if you have a trust, making sure that you have chosen the proper trustee, there are a lot of responsibilities a trustee has from, you know, acting in the best uh, interest of the beneficiary to, you know, making sure that documents and bookkeeping are kept, filing tax returns. So if you just have a family member named as a trustee, are they experienced in those types of things? You know, that's where meeting with a financial planner can help you, you know, get some guidance and clarity on what you need, why you need it, and how to best affect change in the future. You know, and you didn't mention this, but sometimes we've discovered that even family members can do some unethical things. Absolutely. And that creates all kinds of problems. And that's a, that's a concern. That's right. We can look at it objectively. You know, we don't, it takes the emotion out if, you know, you have a family member, yeah, like you said, something you know disruptive could happen with the money, and having an objective third party is is critical. Well, Derek, you talked about debt and medical cost, retirement, and all that. Summarize it in a minute. Um, no, less than a minute. Less, actually, <laughs> less than a minute. Well, a lot of people are saddled with debt. Uh, we're looking at that from a, a college standpoint. We're looking at that from a credit card standpoint. Um, a lot of different things to to consider with that. A lot of the credit card gets you behaviorally, and then from a student loan perspective, uh, there's some repayment options that uh, the government allows to, to help you with those, too. So know what to do. Be sure you're checking out for credit fraud. Those are critical, so stay in tune with that. That's important. The American's biggest worry, inability to pay their medical cost, and obviously retirement. So you want to make sure you're planning for that. And let me just make sure that you understand that if you happen to be a family that has a special needs child. 25% of those affected are school age and will likely deal with their disabilities for the rest of their lives. You need to do some planning. My guests, Derek Bailey, Nathan Powell, if you want to talk with these guys, give them a call. 757-5757. If you'd like for them to speak at your organization, just let them know because they've got great topics, whether it's college education, how to do it, how to save on it, how to make sure you're doing the best you can. And then, of course, just overall general financial planning. Thanks for listening today. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and this is Talk Money. Talk Money is produced by Greg Ratliff. Guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner. Production assistant, Eleanor Moskovitz. Compliance officer, Tommy Armstrong. Mid-South History Moment, Rebecca Brazier and Drew Johnson. We'll see you next week on Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker, Derek Bailey, and Nathan Powell are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Hey, hey.